there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're obsessed with fitness and nutrition, and you'd love to learn how to build a career around these interests, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is an elite endurance athlete, author, and renowned exercise physiologist and certified sports nutritionist who has done just that. But before I introduce you to Tom Holland, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays to give you an exclusive look into the episodes and the professions we're going to be featuring that week. And it is so easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is is Tom Holland, an acclaimed exercise physiologist and certified sports nutritionist, author, DVD host, and podcast host, as well as an elite endurance athlete committed to helping people better their lives through fitness. Over the last 30 years, Tom has encouraged and coached thousands of people to reach their fitness goals, whether it's losing weight, or climbing mountains, or running marathons, to completing Ironman triathlons. Tom has himself run over 70 marathons, including races in Italy, France, Ireland, and Hawaii. He is a 10-time Boston Marathon qualifier, a sub-three-hour marathoner, and he was the winner of the 2007 Dutchess County Marathon in Poughkeepsie, New York. Tom has also run several ultra marathons and is the author of seven books, including his latest entitled The Micro Workout Plan. Get the body you want without the gym in 15 minutes or less a day, published in April of 2020. Tom has extensive media experience with over 100 television appearances as a fitness expert on The Today Show. Good Morning America, CNN, QVC, HSN, and much more. And his podcast, which launched in the fall of 2019, is called Fitness Disrupted with Tom Holland. Tom, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I could always be more caffeinated, I think, like yourself, right? (laughs) So, yeah, the short answer is yes. Awesome. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. What is your professional feeling about caffeine? Is it good for us? Is it bad for us? Is it neutral? It is good for us. So the science is there. It's in the sports world. It's known as an ergogenic aid, which means it improves performance. So as an endurance athlete, we use caffeine. And there's studies that are showing not just for sports performance, but for brain function, obviously, and things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. The research says, you know, like anything else, moderation is key. I actually have a problem with the moderation side with my coffee, but I'm working on it. Hey, you're an ultra athlete. Everything 
has got to be over the top, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I try, you know, the balance that gets challenging, but it's my therapy, as I say. <laughs> oh my goodness, you and me both. Right. What about those eight-hour energy drinks? Those are the ones you find at convenience store checkouts. What do you think about them and energy drinks in general? I stay away from them. The research is strong and it's done on coffee and things like green tea. So I prefer the natural stuff. <laughs> so yeah, when they have so many ingredients and ingredients that you don't even know what the heck they are, I tend to avoid them personally. Yeah. Me and you. Both. <laughs> right. How do you fuel yourself during the day, Tom, and ensure you're getting the energy that we can clearly hear through <laughs> yeah. the microphone, I, not necessarily I, to run a marathon, but to get right. through one of your typical work days? Yeah. You know, if it said, how do you eat or what do you eat? And I know diets are super popular, always have been, always will be, but I'm a Mediterranean diet type of guy. So, I eat carbs and protein, so healthy carbohydrates, lean sources of protein, healthy fats. I'm a believer in the eating every two or three hours, fueling yourself. And I think too often we deprive ourselves. And so many of the nutrients and vitamins and minerals, it's not about not eating less unhealthy stuff. It's about eating more healthy foods. So I'm a big believer in eating a lot <laughs> of nice. healthy stuff. Of yeah. healthy stuff. Definitely yeah. not the processed junk. Right, exactly. If it comes in a bag, try to stay away from it. If it doesn't have a label, fruits and vegetables, probably good for you. Nice. So I mentioned your workday. You founded Team Holland LLC and you serve as the CEO. And as people probably were able to discern from the very long list of things that you've done and that you're doing, you are juggling a lot. Can you take us into a typical day for you, Tom, grinding it out, doing right. your exercise and nutrition coaching, your media work, and of course, how and when you manage to squeeze in your own time to train? Right. It's such a great question. And one of the reasons I do what I do is because I can't sit behind a desk and have the same thing day in and day out. I am someone who needs change. So you know, it's cliche to say, but there is no typical day. And that can be challenging because I have to keep hustling regardless of how long I've been doing this. So I just got back from a weekend. I was in Canada on TV for Bowflex. So I did seven shows on the shopping channel in Canada. I landed and when I got out of the car and back to the office, I was on a conference call working as a fitness expert in a lawsuit right now, which I've done a bunch of times. There's a lot of writing. There's a lot of reaching out to the media. But no day is the same. And that's what I love is that it changes. It's up to me to keep hustling. And it's all about different fitness revenue streams, whether it's writing or being talent. It's never the same. So what was involved doing the QVC Bofex gig? Oh, great. So one of the greatest gigs I have now is I am the fitness advisor for Nautilus. Nautilus Inc. Nautilus owns Bowflex and a couple other brands. So I'm frequently on TV for them, either QVC here in the States or the shopping channel in Canada. So I did seven live shows an hour each. And so I'm on with a host and we'll have a different product usually each time. And we're on the shopping channel selling these products. <laughs> and did you sell a lot? Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's such a great question because I always get in. We have a production meeting and I say, what's the number? And they'll give a number that they want. And it's usually ridiculously high. You know, they just set the bar high. 
And my goal is always to not only meet it, but exceed it. And yeah, it's such a great use of all the talents I've worked on over the years, the performing and to do it with fitness and products I believe in. It's super easy for me. Oh my God, I love it. And do you get a cut of every machine you sell? (laughs) Not the first person to say that. No, and I should. See, one thing I am bad at is the money side of what I do. <laughs> I'm too passionate <laughs> about what I do, and my wife goes nuts. She's like, you got to ask for more. No, I don't. And now I should really ask because I should have some kind of built-in uh, That's more of yeah. an incentive, <laughs> I think. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. You crush it every time you go out there. Honestly, I think you deserve more of a yeah. cut. <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't hear this because she's going to be screaming at me again. <laughs> <laughs> so what about, I know you don't have a typical week, but do yeah. you have a daily routine that you try to stick to in terms of both your clients' needs, and it sounds like corporate clients, sure. and you've also got individuals that you work with and other projects that you may have going on. And I haven't forgotten about that when you fit in the time to do your own training. Yeah, it's so important. And I love the fact that I always say, you know, people say, do you have to be fit to be in this industry? No, but it helps. (laughs) It's a good indication that you're walking the walk, not only talking the talk. So I am flexible in my schedule. So I just know that I need to get, I usually work out once or twice a day, you know, usually cardio separate from strength training. So I try to generally do that early in the morning, get that out of the way. And I'm a big believer in getting up super early, right? For me, 5 a.m. or even before, I get so much done before eight o'clock in the morning. And so I need to get my workout in. I need to do the writing. I need to do, I always have a solo project that I'm working on. And so I need to kind of tick those boxes off get the writing done, get the workout in, eat healthy, all those kind of things. And every day, just make sure that each of those boxes is checked. Mm. And so are you one of those people who like has your whole week kind of in your calendar slotted out? Or do you keep blocks of time open? You know what, I have to keep it open, Andrea. And that's what's so challenging is because one way I have been successful in this business is I have journalists reach out to me all the time. And they know that I will prioritize them. So I can't have a rigid schedule because if I do, inevitably what will happen is I will have a writer from a major publication say, hey, Tom, I need three new exercises for this and I need it by the end of the day. So I have to be able to drop what I'm doing, get that to them. But that has that flexibility and ability to kind of get it all done in a different order is why these writers and different producers will reach out to me because they know they're going to get it no matter where I am in the world or what I'm doing. So I have to have a flexibility built in, Mm. which can be super challenging. In what way? I want to be more regimented and I kind of kick myself and say I should schedule things out more. And inevitably when I do that, something like that comes up. So like I said, I love that. I love the kind of chaotic nature of what I do. But at the same time, I know I could be even more efficient. (laughs) And so that gets a little you know, frustrating as well. Definitely. One of many things that I really respect about you, Tom, is that you identified what you loved, clearly exercise and being an elite athlete. And you've been able to build your professional life around that love. But I can't imagine it's been easy to do. Super hard. (laughs) I have paid my dues. And again, I would not trade anything for that. But 
there were many, many lean years and there were many challenges, challenges, including the more education you have, it can almost be not almost, it can be a detriment because a lot of times you're getting hired if you're a trainer by someone who has no experience and they look at you as a challenge and you actually won't get the job or you won't get promoted. I didn't get promoted for years, even though I had more education experience than the vast majority of the people that I was working for. So, you know, the slow and steady grind and putting in 14, 16 hour days way back when in New York were challenging, but I knew it would pay off. But there were many years where I really questioned what you're doing. I'm going to ask you in a little bit, about your time as an undergrad, but here's a spoiler alert for our listeners. Tom did not major in exercise physiology or nutrition. I want to skip ahead a little bit and talk more about how you broke into this industry and how you started building your brand way back before. I think it was definitely not a household word to say that you need to be thinking about your brand. I know you mentioned in the Espresso Shots interview that Jack LaLanne was your mentor. Jack LaLanne had a brand. I mean, the man has a brand and was definitely a household word. But did you even think of it that way early in your career? No, because I'm old. (laughs) I just turned 51. There was no social media. There was no internet, right? When I first started as a trainer. So I knew that I wanted the trust. So with Jack Lane, he was so respected. And I just knew that that's what I wanted. I wanted people to say in an industry that we're not selling shoes. And it's so important that you have credibility and education. I knew that that was going to be a way to separate myself. And I just wanted to be that credible brand that Jacqueline was, still is, as you say, to this day. You became a model for Wilhelmina in their fitness division. I have to imagine that was a pretty big deal. That is a pretty big deal. Why did you do that? And how did you leverage that exposure into building your entrepreneurial business? So I thought that was the be all end all, right? Because I did the performing and trying to get agents back in the day. So when I landed Wilhelmina, and that was through a PR contact I had. So she connected us. And I thought it was the be all end all when I signed that contract. But it turned out to be pretty horrible, (laughs) to be honest. Yes, because I'm not a model and I don't want to disparage the industry. I was more about helping people. I was more about speaking. It just, I was so excited that I achieved the goal of getting an agent and everything, but it was quick that I said, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own because it restricted me. And listen, I'm never going to work for a product or represent a product that I don't believe in. So as great as it was, and I I'm proud that I achieved that. I look back and that was one of those experiences, Andrea, where you say the goal attainment, and then you pivot. You go, okay, this isn't exactly what I thought it would be. And so you just change. So it was a great accomplishment, but <laughs> it didn't turn out the way I thought it would or lead to the things I thought it would, okay. which is interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Well, you've also been a strategic consultant and fitness advisor, as you explained, for Nautilus and their Bowflex, Schwinn, and Universal Brands as a spokesman, as a writer, and in the development of new programs and products. And you've served, as you explained at the outset, as on-air talent for Nautilus, for Nordic Track, for Beachbody, and Landis. Yeah. What does it mean to say that you were on-air talent? I know that you were at QVC selling the Bowflex machines, but how did you 
get these opportunities? Was it through the agent? And did they help you to build your business and brand? So yes, so there was definitely a couple that came through Wilhelmina. But what I did, Andrea, back in the day was I started local. So I would reach out to my local Channel 12 in Connecticut, and I would just pitch myself as the fitness expert. So I truly learned how to do it that way. I was also always into acting and performing. So I was kind of honing my talents there, teaching classes. And so after having done the local TV and then hooking up with different brands and they would see that I had the ability to do that, it just led to bigger and better things. So it's kind of that snowball effect. But I definitely started local and did many, many smaller type shows so that when the Today Show finally happened, I had the ability and the confidence to pull it off. That's a really important point. So it wasn't when you got the call for the national shows you had already honed your delivery, honed your performance in local markets. Yes, yes. So truly paid the dues and enjoyed it. And that, as you know, you've been in this business a really long time as a journalist, and those could be more challenging than the national spots. But yes, it was just the confidence and the relaxation to be able to, and knowing the craft, you know, knowing my subject matter. Andrea. And that was so important because as you know, too, you'll get the questions ahead of time and inevitably they don't ask those questions. So just having such a grasp of the field and the ability to talk about it comfortably. Yes, for sure. As you know, Tom, the main demo for Time for Coffee is 18 to 28 year olds. So college students, young professionals, if someone listening right now wants to have a career like yours, How do you recommend they start that process? And let's break it down to each audience. The first being those who've already graduated and then the other for those of our listeners who are still in school. Yeah, such a great question. And I wish I had the show (laughs) back when I was that age. It's a unique field. And I just always have to stress that. So you need to be an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I was working mowing lawns at 12, 13 years old in the neighborhood. I always loved being an entrepreneur. So if you're someone who doesn't really like that regimented nine to five job, then paving your way in the exercise, health and wellness, nutrition industry, the sky's the limit. So I would say you can start studying if you want to right away. If you're in school and you're so into this field, you can start taking those courses. And if you've graduated, maybe we'll separate them again, but starting as a personal trainer, starting as a group fitness instructor, maybe getting a job as a nutritionist, maybe for a school or a local team or something like that, and just getting your feet wet and figuring out where you're going to land and what you enjoy. For those who are still in school as undergrads, what courses do you think are kind of critical for them to take? Basic anatomy and physiology, just exercise, phys, you know, 101, learning the body, learning muscles, learning about the cardiovascular system. It sounds crazy, but I am a fitness expert in lawsuits. And what comes up frequently is the lack of education that so many trainers and fitness people have because it isn't required, which is kind of crazy. But so getting the basics, getting the basics of anatomy and physiology and just learning about the human body, and then you can take it from there. And I'd have to imagine that for young people who are still in college, who are interested in becoming physical fitness instructors, they could start teaching at school. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So many colleges have those gyms and group fitness centers and you can go, you know, I did local YMCAs. You're absolutely right. And then you really find, do you like being up in front of people? Would you rather be one-on-one with people? Just really figure out what you enjoy and experiment in college. That's the best time to do that. You can also take some certifications. It's a great time, maybe in your summers, get any of the national fitness certifications and really experiment and see what resonates with you. Great. After you graduated from Boston College, and we'll talk about that in a minute, you got your master's degree in exercise science and sports psychology from Southern Connecticut State. Is it important for someone who wants to be a physical fitness guru to get their master's? No. (laughs) That is crazy to say, right? You actually, again, because the industry is such that they don't ask for that. There's no time that that will come up. But that being said, if you truly want that credibility and longevity and companies like Nautilus, a great story I have is I was up against a very, very well-known TV personality fitness person that everyone would know for a job that was extremely lucrative. It was just three days in the city going death side tour. And I eventually beat this person out, A, because I had the credibility, this person had the TV recognition, and that's what the company was looking for. So you don't have to get it. But if you say, hey, I really want to separate myself and I want a career in this, the more education you have, the better. I'm hoping to go back for my PhD at some point (laughs) when I can find the time. Wonderful. What about working for an established brand in the fitness industry. Do you think that that's a good idea for someone who eventually wants to be out on their own, that they get inside one of these big companies in a gym as you did? Yes. So the common ascension through the industry is you start as a personal trainer. So I worked in every gym that you could in New York City and the area around. And then eventually what you do is you say, you know what, I want to go out on my own. And that's really scary. And you take a huge pay cut and you go independent. And so you go to a gym where you bring the clients and you pay the rent, but it's all, so now it's your brand. So you learn first, right? Working within one of those chains and you learn the business and they feed you the clients essentially. And then it's a scary step, but you take one foot out or both feet out and you go out on your own, and now it's up to you to get the clients. But starting the way you described is generally the way you want to do it. And when you were starting out, Tom, did you have to have a side hustle to the work that you were doing in the gym with clients? Oh, yes. Yeah. Waiting tables, bartending. Eventually, you can make a decent living pretty quickly as a personal trainer. But the problem is there's a ceiling, right? There's only so many hours in the day and you can only charge so much. And then my side hustle, though, Andrew, became writing. So what I did was I said, I want to make some money off of writing. And that was kind of what I was doing in my strong suit in college. So I said, I'm going to write one article every week, just a spec article. And this is before the internet. And I would went out and bought all the fitness magazines and I would mail them the article to every magazine and wait for a response. And It didn't happen right away, but eventually almost every single one of those articles was sold. And I still have on my wall in the office here the first payment for an article that was published way back when. Where was that? That was in American Fitness, the name of the magazine. And it was like, I can look right at it. It was $125. And I thought I was rich that I got paid to write. And it was an article that I did on my own. And that led to some writing jobs after that. So it was a snowball effect. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 
So what about social media? We've talked a lot about the established media channels and publications, but this generation is growing up immersed in Instagram and Twitter. And I know that you have a podcast, but there are a lot of influencers out there today who are almost exclusively on these platforms making a bunch of money. Do you think social media may be a better place for our young listeners to start building out their brand? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is such a new world. And again, being 51, (laughs) I am challenged and I know I have to be in that world and I am. Yes. And that's actually, I have to compete. So as you know, as well, being in the media business, my master's degree means nothing on Instagram. So if you look the part and you post the right content, you can make a very lucrative career out of fitness just by posting. The question is the longevity there, right? And the credibility, but you can make a lot of money in a short amount of time The problem too for me is what are the brands that you're going to work for? So you just have to be careful on what your long-term goals are, but you're absolutely right. YouTube, I had to print DVDs back in the day. I produced my own DVDs and VHS tapes. So old I am. Now you don't have to make that investment and the YouTube and Instagram and tick, you know, all these things. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce it. Yes. Shows how old I am again. Yes. It's an incredible new world and you can do it for pennies. I'd like to pivot for a moment, Tom, to tap into your expertise as an exercise guru. And in particular, I want to ask you about your latest book, The Micro Workout Plan, Get the Body You Want Without the Gym in 15 Minutes or Less a Day, published in April of 2020. I admit it. I'm a bit of a skeptic. Sure. How is it possible (laughs) Such a great question, right? People say 15 minutes, it's not enough. It's consistency, right? And obviously the goals are different. So when you read the book, we'll talk about strength training and we'll talk about one of my big things going forward is it's not just about weight loss. So exercise for me is about so much more, not just what you see on a scale or in the mirror. So when we talk about exercise and the benefits, the term I use is excessive moderation. And my success has been through doing those things, doing five minutes of core exercises in the morning, doing five minutes of push-ups at night. And if you actually think about the workout you do, if you go to the gym, it's basically you know five minutes of arms, five minutes of legs. So you are breaking it up in that way. And the research is strong in that it doesn't have to be continuous. And when the number one reason people give for not exercising is lack of time, people who are successful at fitness, at changing their bodies, I have found, they do it before they go to the gym, right? So in other words, by the time you get to the gym, you're already fit for most people, but change happens at home and it happens in small increments done throughout the day. And when you say it happens at home, are you alluding to the nutrition, the food that we're eating? That's a huge part of it. Exactly. So one thing I'm also preaching, Andrea, is that exercise is to get strong and to fix weak links and things like that. Nutrition is where weight loss comes from. So personal trainers, they're not really weight loss people. doesn't matter how many times you come to me if I was a trainer. It's the behavioral change that I hopefully can help you do outside the gym. So nutrition is a huge part of weight loss. Exercise is more about being healthy and being strong. Yeah. You did a show on your podcast in March about exercise and depression. According to the National College Health Assessment, there has been a dramatic increase in the number of students who are suffering from depression. In fact, it increased to 40, a little over 40% nationwide in 2017. And this is a statistic that just 
blows my mind. Roughly one student in 12 has a suicide plan, Tom. Oh, wow. And this is a topic that really is near and dear to my heart because I am someone who has struggled with depression and is currently taking medication to help me. But I also very much believe in, as I know you do, the power of good, clean food and exercise to boost our moods. On your show, you said that we often think of exercise as something that's only affecting us from the neck down. But that's not true, is it? No. And, you know, one day I will tell my story as well. And the book title that I'm throwing around for the next one is called Exercising My Demons. So I have this very close to my heart, the exercise and depression. I myself absolutely have struggled. And that's one reason I do what I do. So I have found that coping mechanism. You know, I joke about it, the vanity versus sanity. And one of the reasons I run and do these things is because I know how good it makes me feel. And it has pretty much saved my life in that regard. And it's dose dependent. And I know that when I'm not feeling well, I figured out not only through my studies, but then doing the exercise, the coping that stresses a process and that the feel good hormones that we get from exercise, in addition to feeling good about accomplishing things, it's so powerful. And that is one of my favorite things about my job is helping people. Yeah, the looking better part is fine, but it's the feeling better. It's the self-efficacy. You know, my traveling the world to do the races I did were not only to do the event, but to become confident. And so the power of exercise from the neck up is so profound. And that's one of my things going forward that I really want to get out there. Well, I look forward to reading it when you do. Tom, I would like to flash back very quickly to when you were in college. You went to Boston College and you majored in, drum roll please, <laughs> communication. <laughs> Did you know what you wanted to do with that degree when you graduated? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, I knew, and again, I love performing. So what's so interesting is that my entire life has been about music and acting, some kind of performing. I was auditioning for everything and taking acting classes. I was always doing fitness though. And the story I tell too, I don't know if you know the comedian Jim Gaffigan, but I was doing stand-up with him way back before he made it. And we were at the improv in New York City. And I said, you know what, Jim, I think I'm done. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, you're going to be hugely successful, but I'm going to the gym at 2 a.m. after these shows. And as much as I love the performing, I think it's fitness. So no, but I was always trying different things and experimenting. And I think that's such a powerful message to that age group is you're not going to know right away and just be open. And there is no failure. I hate that word failure. So my friends say, oh, well, you didn't make it as a stand-up comic. I go, that's not what I wanted to do. But all those skills, and all of that training are invaluable to what I do today. So being open and say, yes, I have a goal, but the path to that goal is going to change and you have to be open to that change. Tom, I'm giving you a double high five here. I just wrote <laughs> a post on LinkedIn this week about how I was fired twice in my 40s and how grateful I yeah. am that that happened. Yeah. We have to change the stigma around being Fired and failing because yes. the truth is your greatest lessons and sometimes, as was in my case, the greatest opportunities only happen to you after you have fallen down. Right. 
Right. And you just keep moving forward. All the cliches are true. The Ironmans I do, what you realize is, and it's profound, you know, the first couple of endurance races you do, you have a nagging hamstring at the beginning of the bike ride and you go, it's over. I have a hundred more miles to bike and then I have to do a marathon. I'm done. And what you realize is not only does it potentially go away, you can be stronger at the end. So you just keep moving forward. And one of my favorite things is the folder I have filled with the rejections for every single one of my books. And what I say is no doesn't mean no. No means not now, you know, not with me. And maybe you need to change something. But I always just love being in the game. And so there is no rejection that ever. And listen, it's tough at first and you have to be rejected a bunch of times and you get stronger with each one. But I was so powerfully connected to what I'm doing that those no's, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. So I think this question has a whole bunch of meanings for you and may bring out a really interesting answer because to get across the finish line, whether it's at the end of an Ironman triathlon or an ultra marathon or even just a regular old marathon takes grit and guts. And as you were just saying, the ability to deal with real physical and mental pain. So Could you share a time in your professional life, Tom, when you really struggled? Maybe you failed. Maybe you got fired. You talked about the rejection letters for your books. And most importantly, how you persevered and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. Oh, my gosh. So many rejections. So many pulling, you know, myself back up trying to think of a specific one. It's just all the rejection and being told, you know what, when I first came out with my DVDs, even my dad (laughs) said, that's the dumbest thing ever. And so that was really challenging. And it was a huge investment, money I didn't have. And people said, well, why are you coming out with your own fitness DVDs? Who are you? Right. And again, I had to take such a leap of faith, not only professionally, but financially. And I invested, I rolled the dice and I said, you know what, I believe in myself. And that was the thing that kept coming up in my career, believe in yourself. Now, obviously, we want support systems. But at the end of the day, you got to just believe in yourself. And that was tough. So coming out with these DVDs, and having this huge kind of stress of is it going to work? And then when it did, and it took a while, and the orders started coming in, that self-efficacy was there. But it was a huge challenge and a huge leap of faith. But when you take that, it's all about taking those risks. And you got to get outside your comfort zone. And when you're doing what you know that you're meant to do, it's going to work. You just have to kind of push through it. I would imagine it's like self-fulfilling is not the right word, but it's like a virtual loop between your endurance the kind of endurance activities that you engage in on the exercise front, and then the entrepreneurial endeavors that you engage in on the professional side, where one is feeding into the other. Absolutely. And I've gone around the world. You say, why do I keep doing this? I went to Brazil and the conditions were worse than Hawaii. The wind and just everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And that's what you learn. And what I love about the endurance events, Andrea, is that What you realize is you're on the same course as the professional and you realize that we're all suffering and we're all suffering in the same course. And I actually did a race in China where I was swimming and I don't like swimming. We're not meant to swim. We're meant to be out of the water. We don't have gills. And I swam face first into two enormous red jellyfish, enormous. And I was feeling bad about myself and it was painful, whatever. And then during the run, I see a guy running towards me 
and he has the same tentacle marks on his face that I have. So we all go through tough times. And yes, you learn that such a simple yet powerful parallel between you're going to have obstacles thrown up and you just keep moving forward and it's going to get better. And there are no small steps. It's just a matter of you don't give up and eventually you're going to hit that finish line. I have more miles on my odometer than you do, Tom. I'm 56. (laughs) And by the way, I do not think of myself as old. I know that our listeners do, but I feel... Like I'm 30, okay? And what I would say is that I have lived enough life now that I have seen where I have been in like the depths of despair, you know, that great movie, The Princess Bride, right? Like way down in there where you're like echoing up, hello, hello, hello. And no matter how far down I may feel I've gotten, you are going to get back up again. You are going to be feeling amazing again. So just hold that, hold that feeling and that belief that when you go through some shit in your life, you're going to come out of it and you're going to be feeling great again. This is just part of life. Absolutely. My high school yearbook quote was, you have to go through hell to get to heaven, you know, the Steve Miller (laughs) band song. And it's true. And the reason, one of the reasons I so love what I do is because I was in deep, dark places, college especially. So I so appreciate what I have. And I appreciate, I would not trade those really hard races. My most challenging race, and there were many, Malaysia, those were much more powerful. And I appreciate them more than the marathon I won. That was relatively easy. I trained hard and it was good and things went well. But when I look back at the real challenges, I'm so grateful for them because when you go through them, as you know as well, these sweeter moments are so nice. And I'm fortunate to have gone through those tough times. And that's the thing. You're going to look back and say, they weren't as bad. And I'm glad I went through them. Final T4C question. If you could go back to Boston College and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, Tom, what advice would you give yourself? You know, it was just to not stress, to say it's going to be okay, because I did have some tough years in college, and they were dark, and everything we're talking about, and you just say, you know what, it's going to be okay, and don't stress, and just (laughs) all that, you know, hindsight now, but that's it. You know, there was a lot of stress, there was a lot of just dark, depressing times, and just to say, hey, everything's going to be okay, and it's amazing to look back and think of those times we all stress, and you go, it's going to be okay. Mm. Tom's new book is The Micro Workout Plan, Get the Body You Want Without the Gym in 15 Minutes or Less a Day. It was published in April of 2020, and his podcast is Fitness Disrupted with Tom Holland. Make sure to check it out. And if you want to learn how to break into the fitness and nutrition world, make sure to check out the show notes for this episode to see if Tom's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. Tom, you are a remarkable guy. You are doing exactly what you should be doing. I could not be happier for you that you have found the place that you feel happiest and that brings you the most joy and that is helping so many people. I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure and it's so great to speak with you. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.